great to have Nathaniel back with us. So uh, if, you, if you would like one, you can raise your hand and uh, Nathaniel will bring you one. Uh, looks like a couple over there. And if you're joining us online, I don't have an outline for you, but you'll see it up on the screen. So thanks for joining us over the internet. We're going to go ahead and pray to start our time and then get into our study. Father, thank you, Lord, so much for the day. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for the word of God that we can continue to come to even after years of study and continue to gain new insight, continue to learn and and to glean from the pages of scripture. So we thank you for that. Help us, Lord, as we open Mark together, as we continue our study. Help us to be diligent students of the word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth as you promised. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to start by talking for a minute about the structure of this part of Mark. So we're in Mark chapter 4. So if you're not open there, you can turn to Mark 4. We're going to be starting down in verse number 10. We've been talking about the parable of the sower, the seeds, and the soils. We had at least four separate lessons on that parable and some of the surrounding context and understanding of that. And when we started that section in Mark 4, we talked about the structure that Mark is using, the literary device that he's employing in this passage. And um, how many can remember what, what is that called? Yes, ma'am. The sandwich, the Markin sandwich, which means that Mark is writing along in his gospel, and he begins a narrative, or he begins to make a specific point about something that happened in the life of Christ and the disciples. And before he's finished, he stops and seems to change direction completely and goes in another direction and and talks about something else for a short time and then comes back and finishes the narrative that he started. So if you can picture the beginning uh, narrative, like the first slice of bread, and then the middle part, we, we likened it to a grilled cheese sandwich. Um, you could call it a s'more. You can pick whatever, you, whatever food you like and, and compare it to. We compared it to a grilled cheese sandwich. That cheese is that middle part, and then the other slice of bread being the, f- the f- finale, if you will, the, f- the finishing of the, f- the original narrative. And we've seen that this passage is a Markin sandwich. He goes through and, ex- and tells the parable. He's out there on the boat. He's sharing with the people on land. He gives them the parable of the sower. Then if we jump from the middle to the second slice of bread, it was Jesus uh, explaining the parable to the disciples. They come to him later when they're alone with him and say, explain to us this parable. But, but we skipped the middle part, and we did that on purpose because we wanted to look at the two slices of bread, so to speak, in tandem. So we looked at the sower, and we looked at the explanation. We looked at the seed, and we looked at the soils and how Jesus explained them uh, in tandem. But this morning, what I'd like to do is go back to that middle section that we've missed, which is verses 10 and 11. So if you're in Mark 4, go to verse 10. Actually, 10, 11, and 12 are the, are the cheese of this Mark and sandwich. They're the middle section. And so we're going to look at that this morning And then we're actually going to jump to the next parable, which is the parable of the lamp and the light. And what we're going to see is there's a strong connection between 
actually the entire parable, but specifically the explanation of the parable and then the parable of the light under the basket, if you will, or under the bed. So hopefully that made sense. Um, It made sense to me, but sometimes by the time it comes out here, it's not always as clear. But hopefully as we go through, you'll be able to see the connection there. So We've, we've entitled, so we've, we've kind of grouped these, the middle part of the sandwich and the, and the parable of the lamp into one lesson. And we're calling it listening to the light, listening to the light. And I hope that phrase just kind of catches in your mind and um, helps, helps us understand. So first of all, and if you have an outline, um, the Roman numeral one there is listening. And again, we find that in Mark 4, uh, 10 through 12, which says... But when he, Jesus, was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. Verse 11, and he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. We'll get to verse 12 in a moment, but I wanted to focus on this part to begin. So here again, we have the middle part of the sandwich. Jesus has already shared the parable of the sower with the multitudes. We've already looked at how he explained the parable of the sower to the disciples. But here in this middle section, Jesus gives some explanation of the purpose of parabolic teaching, the purpose of teaching with parables. So we have to remember some things about the way Jesus performed his ministry. He was very strategic about how he taught, the language he used when he taught. He was strategic uh, in his teaching ministry and really in his ministry in, in general. Even his healing ministry was done strategically for specific purposes and reasons. Remember that when he would heal people, often what would he say to them? Don't tell anyone. Go to the priest. He told the leper that earlier in Mark. Fortunately, that guy didn't follow Jesus' instructions, but it, it, which led to somewhat of chaos when he would try to enter a city. There were these crowds, so he had to enter covertly. Um, but in any case, Jesus was very careful about who he revealed himself and how he revealed himself. And so he, his, his strategy, we see that throughout the Gospels. Um, but right now, he's not with the multitudes, those careful strategic choices about who he talked to, who he revealed himself to were done in the context of the multitudes. But when he was with the disciples, he could more easily and readily and did so reveal the, the, the meanings to the parables and the truth about who he really was. And so here he's meeting with the, the, the disciples and others and he's giving an explanation of the parable. And in doing so, he defines two distinctly different groups of people. And, and if you're following on your outline, the first group is those around him, and the second group is those who are outside. So he's making that distinction. So let's, let's uh, look at this and look at some observations. Notice it says, first of all, that those who were around him with the 12. So if it's so good to picture this in our mind. So it's not just the 12 disciples, but it's, it's those around him with the 12. So this would have been a, a larger group of people. 
um, other disciples, including both men and women. These were people, and you're, we're going to repeat this phrase this morning often, these were the people that had ears to hear. These people had ears to hear, and we know this because they were the ones asking for more. They were the ones coming to Jesus after he told the parable to better understand the parable. There were multitudes of people that got a free lunch sometimes and heard a great story and went away satisfied with that. Oh, that was a cool story. I've got to go on with my day. I'm going to go plow my field. I'm going to go tend my grape. Grapes, I'm going to go press my olives. I'm going to go take care of my animals. I'm going to go take care of my family. Whatever the case, whatever they had to do, and they, they moved on. Those were the people outside we'll talk about in a moment, but these are the people that got to hear the explanation of the parable. The word um, around him, it talks about persons who are standing, sitting, working, or staying close to someone. And that's exactly what these people were doing with Jesus. They were around him. They couldn't get enough of Jesus. They put aside all those other plans and said, this is more important. They were invested in being with Jesus. Uh, They valued Jesus. He was their priority. They had ears to hear. So they got the explanation of the parable. In verse 11, Jesus goes on and says to them, to you, and I put there in brackets, those around him with ears to hear, that's who he's talking about, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. You're getting the real gem. You're you're coming to me and I'm gonna hand you the treasure of truth. I'm I'm gonna open my treasure chest of truth and give you the abundance of the riches. So he, he explains to them, before he explains the parable, he explains to them why they get to hear the answer to their question. They had ears to hear. And he said that at the end, if you remember, both at the beginning and the end of the parable of the sower, he began with a command, listen, pay attention. What I'm about to tell you has incredible impact on your life and is actually a key to understanding the other things that I'm going to teach you. And then he concludes the parable with that phrase, he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. That was his plea. He was calling these people to take what he said to heart, and that's exactly what these people did. And so he's making the distinction. Remember in the parable of the sower, we have four types of what? Soil, which represent four types of what? Hearts. These were the people with the good soil. These were the people that um, were willing to accept the seed. But then there was those on the outside. These were like those with the hardened hearts or the thorny or stony ground hearts that could either receive nothing of what he said or just a fraction of what they could have received. And so he makes, again, that distinction. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. These are the people that did not have ears to hear. These are the people that received no explanation. Why? Because Jesus was holding out on them? 
because he had decided, I'm not going to share truth with them. I'm only going to share. No, it was because they did not want an explanation. They didn't care. They didn't have ears to hear. They didn't want, they didn't prioritize going to Jesus and saying, explain the parable. It wasn't just the 12. It was those with the 12. So these people who are outside had every opportunity to come and join this smaller group and say, yeah, I want in on that too. He just said those who had ears to hear, let him hear. Oh, that's me. I want to know more. I want to to gain more knowledge. I see value in this. I'm going to put aside all those plans today and I'm going to spend some time with Jesus because I want to listen. But that's not what they did. They could have. But instead, their hearts were hardened and the birds, Satan, swooped down and snatched those seeds off of those hardened hearts. The word outside means to a position beyond an enclosure or boundary. This world we're living in does not like boundaries. There can be no distinctions. Everybody's got their own truth. Everyone's okay. Well, remember what Jesus said, and I should have put the verse, and I'll just paraphrase it because I don't have it memorized. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a what? Who knows? A sword. I came to make a distinction between two groups of people, those who had ears to hear that were around me, that were close to me, and those who were outside. And that's exactly what happened, not because that's what Jesus specifically wanted. He didn't want those people to be outside, but he created them with a free will. They chose that path for themselves. And we still, again, we see this today. We've talked about this already. People, some people choose to listen to the Lord and some choose to ignore the light. Uh, Jesus goes on in verse 12 and quotes the prophet Isaiah. So that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Here's the actual passage. Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. And he said, now this is God saying this to Isaiah. And this is God's command to the prophet Isaiah. Go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Isaiah was commanded by God to preach a message that the people of Israel would ignore. God said to Isaiah, hey, I want, I've got this message for you. I want you to go share it to the nation of Israel, but I'm just going to tell you something before you go. Nobody's going to listen. How would you like to have that job? <laughs> Nobody's really going to like what you have to say, and they're not going to care and they're not going to listen. In fact, they might even be upset at you for saying it, but I want you to go and do it anyway. I want you to share my truth to give them that opportunity. And I believe, really, there's so many parallels between the ministry of Isaiah and the ministry of Christ. Did Jesus do all that the Father commanded? Yes. Everything Jesus did was because that's what the Father commanded him to do. 
He was perfectly obedient to the Father. And so everything he taught was, was directed by the Father. And so as he's teaching and preaching, he understood the same thing that Isaiah was told here. There's gonna be many that ignore you. In fact, it's going to come to such a climax that they're gonna put you to death for saying what you're saying. And yet Jesus moved forward and preached it in obedience. The Father had commanded him to preach a message that only few would have ears to hear. This is spiritual blindness. Not because it was God starting off saying, well, I'm gonna blind this group of people and I'm gonna reveal myself to this group of people. Everyone had an equal opportunity to listen. It was blindness and deafness, spiritual blindness, spiritual deafness, because that's what they wanted. They refused to listen. Notice that the word heart is highlighted here. And this is really the key to whether or not a person has ears to hear or eyes to see. It's the heart. And so I want to spend a moment and talk about that. Whether it was the Jews of Isaiah's day in ancient Israel, or that, well, it would still be ancient to us, but in Mark's context, the present day Jews of Jesus' day, the eyes to see and the ears to hear were a direct result of their heart. And I believe that's why Isaiah points this out. Jesus often talked about the heart. And this is really the difference between the two groups. The people outside were outside by choice. It's what their heart desired. Uh, This is where they want to be. They despise the truth of God's word. They don't want it. They've rejected him outright. And so that is where the responsibility lies. It lies with the hearers and the seers, if you will. Those that were listening to Jesus' parables had a responsibility. Their responsibility was to ask the questions to make sure they understood the parable. They had a responsibility to go to the rabbi, Jesus, the the greatest rabbi of of all time, and go to him and ask him the, the, the questions that would help them understand the parable. That was their responsibility. And many of them, in fact, most of them refused it. Jesus had done his part. Jesus was the good sower. He cast that seed on all types of soil, didn't he? to give everyone an opportunity. Like a good, responsible, hardworking farmer, he has sown the seed, the word of God, out for the opportunity for everyone to receive it. It's up to the hearer to take that in. It's up to the hearer to regard their own hearts. Like it says in Proverbs 4, 23, rather, keep your heart, this is a command, keep your heart with all diligent for out of it spring the issues of life. The word keep here relates to guarding or protecting, like the old uh, English castles would have a keep. It was was a, a place of protection, like a high tower. And that's what he's telling us here, that we're supposed to protect our hearts from all diligence, from any influence that will lead us away from God all the issues of life. And if you keep reading in this passage, 
Sometime go to Proverbs 4. Start here in verse 23, but then keep reading through the passage. You're going to see that just about every facet, every basic foundational facet of life is mentioned. It talks about our speech. It talks about what we see. It talks about what we think. It talks about our actions. Everything we do, think, say, every motive, every choice flows through our heart. And so we're, we're told to protect the heart. That's, that's what these people should have been doing as they listened to Jesus. Well, let's talk about the purpose of parables. Jesus said in verse 11, to those who are outside, I'll just read the last part of the verse, all things come in parables. Now, we've talked about this when we started this section of Mark, um, that the purpose of parables is to both reveal truth and to conceal truth. That was Jesus' purpose in them. But the choice to have the truth revealed or have the truth concealed lies squarely with the listener. It just depends on what type of heart they have. And that's why Jesus repeatedly exhorted them to have ears to hear. He was telling that to the whole multitude, not just the 12 or not just those around him. Everyone was commanded do, or asked. It's, it's kind of a question. Do you have ears to hear? That's what they should have been asking. And so in that theme of exhorting the people, he quotes again. Let's go back to this verse 12. Notice seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. The hearing and the seeing and the understanding is referring to spiritual blindness, spiritual deafness. And the reason for this kind of blindness and deafness is that they do not want to turn and have their sins be forgiven them. The lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven is not because God is stopping them uh, by some predetermined plan to not let them turn. It's from their point of view. They're saying, I see this, but I'm not going to perceive. I hear it. I'm, I'm not really going to understand this. Otherwise, I would have to turn and have my sins be forgiven me. Otherwise, I would have to humble myself and, and admit that I do have sin, admit that I do have uh, things that need to be forgiven. It was pride, really, that kept them from seeing and hearing and understanding. And again, the passage is repeated there, the, the, the theme here out of Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, hearing and seeing the, the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see, hear, and understand. So let's move on now to the light. And if you're following along in your outline, that's Roman numeral two, the light and first of all, we've divided this into two sections. First of all, let's look at the lamp. So now we're going to jump from that middle part of the sandwich. If you remember the structure here, we're going to jump now outside of that sandwich because we've, we've covered it all already. And we're going to jump into this next parable found down in verse 21. So follow along there, Mark 4, starting in verse 21. Also... He said to them, is a lamp brought to put, be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? 
For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. And here's the the challenge again, repeated again in the same passage. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So let's get into this passage. First of all, the lamps. The lamps in that day were relatively small, usually handheld oil lamps. The oil would go into the container and there would be a wick there that would burn and shed light. Uh, These were common household items that saw daily use. When he said lamp, this is what everyone was thinking of. Now, if you think about this, any kind of light that's a flame, when it's placed under a container, what's going to happen to that that flame? It's going to go out. Fire needs three ingredients in order to, to burn, right? It needs fuel, it needs heat, and it needs oxygen. And when you put something over a lamp, it's going to put it out because you're cutting off the what? The oxygen. It can't burn anymore. And so... Jesus' point here is that he is the lamp. He is the lamp and the light is the spiritual truth, just like he is the sower and the seed is the spiritual truth or the word of God. This also helps us understand that there's there's no truth that God is trying to hide from any people. God wants his light or his seed scattered far and wide. Is not a lamp designed to be put on a lampstand? Are you going to take me, and Jesus is saying, and put me on the lampstand of your heart and let my light shine? Are you going to take the seed that I am casting out the word of God and let it penetrate your heart? So, yes, parables were designed to conceal truth from those who didn't want to hear, but it was available to those that did. So, the light of Jesus' teaching was shining brightly. The faithful sower was broadcasting, casting out the seed. So when, but when people refused to have ears to hear, that's a stubborn prideful refusal to listen. It's the same as taking the lamp and putting it under a basket or shoving it under the bed. No one would ever do that with a real lamp. Well, you have, you know, danger of fire issues, but, but no one would do that. Why? Because they've lit a lamp for a reason. They've lit a lamp so that they can see what they're doing. Jesus is saying it's irrational. It's illogical. It's spiritual insanity to take me and what I'm saying and refuse to let me shine in your life. It's like you're taking Jesus and shoving him under the bed and not listening to him. Notice he says, for there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed. If you want to know my truth, it can be revealed to you if you take the lampstand and put it in its proper place. There's nothing kept secret here in my parables that sh- but that it should come to light, that is not eventually going to become to light. The question is, do you want that light? Now, some people are like asking, many people ask, so why didn't Jesus 
just come right out and teach the truth. If he wants the, the light revealed, if he wants the seed to, to be, the life inside the seed to be revealed, why not just come up right out and teach the plain spiritual truths and just skip all the parables? Why not just say what he means, uh, the, the meaning of the parable, and just skip the parable part? Well, remember when we started, we said Jesus was very strategic with the way he performed his teaching ministry. And the fact is, if Jesus would have just taught the plain, raw, unfiltered truth that the parables represented without using the parables, the result would have been disastrous. What is the worst fear of any, any speaker? That they will be misunderstood. That their words will be taken out of context. This happens all the time in politics, right? You see this little snippet of a recording of a politician or somebody else, and this whole ad, those wonderful political ads, is built off of that snippet. But if you were to go and hear the rest that that snippet was a part of, it's saying something completely different. How many have seen this happen? Yeah. If Jesus would have just blurted out the spiritual truths that he was trying to get them to see by teaching the parables, the earthly ministry would have suffered. They weren't ready for that kind of truth. Not even the disciples were ready. Let's go to Caesarea Philippi. This is toward the end of the ministry. Jesus tells them plainly, no more parables. We're gonna go to Jerusalem. I'm gonna be betrayed and murdered by the Romans. I'm going to be placed on a cross. I'm going to die and be buried and raise again. What was Peter's response? Not so, Lord. Don't, this, this can't be happening. Now, this was a man who believed. This was a man who had been with Christ for these years of ministry. This was a man who had ears to hear. This was a man who had sat next to uh, eaten meals with, spent time with on the road, traveled with, been heavily involved in this, in Jesus' ministry, was really the leader of the 12. And he couldn't handle that truth. It blew his mind. Think what Jesus saying some of those things would have done to the multitudes. It would have been an uproar. It would have been panic Uh, pandemonium, chaos would have ensued. Jesus wanted the truth to get out, but he had to say it in a parable. The people needed to hear the truth couched in a parable so that they could process it, so that they could uh, understand it and think about it and and come come to grips with what he was teaching. They weren't ready for the plain truth. And so that's, that's, another, that's another reason for, for the parables. Even those that had ears to hear needed time to process what Jesus was teaching. So Jesus taught in parables to help those that had ears to hear to, to grasp the truth, but also, remember, he came to bring a sword, a division. He was separating those that had ears to hear the spiritually blind and deaf 
from the spiritually sighted and hearing. And of course, as we've already mentioned, we read this verse earlier, verse 23. If anyone, if anyone has ears to hear, not some select group of people, but anyone, is there anyone in the multitude that has ears to hear? Is there anyone in the crowd that has ears to hear? Let him or let her hear. And so this closing statement helps us understand Jesus is calling the audience, his audience to examine themselves, to stop and think, do I have ears to hear? Is this, who is he talking to? He's talking to people that have ears to hear. Is that me? I need to examine myself. And, and that's really the correct response. Do I have ears to hear? Um, am I in the right frame of mind to learn? What is the state of my heart? Which soil represents me? What have I done with the lamp of Christ? Have I shoved it under the bed or under a basket? Have I hidden it away? Or am I placing it on the lampstand so that his light can be shed into my heart and into my life? Let's go to one more section as we get close to being done. Not only do we see the lamp under this um, heading of light, but we also see this limit. There's a limit, and it's, it's really up to us where the limit is. And that's what Jesus is saying, and this kind of helps solidify everything we've talked about, how that it's the responsibility of the hearer to make sure their heart is ready, to make sure their lampstand of their heart has the lamp where it's supposed to be, to make sure that they're listening to the light. This last section uh, gives weight to that. Look at verse 24 and 25 of Mark 4. Then he said to them, take heed. Here's another thing. Listen up. He's been saying that this whole time. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure, here's the limit now, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, those who have ears to hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So as we think about this, Jesus is giving them this teaching of this this measure. Jesus is pleading with the people here. He's exhorting them to listen. Take heed what you hear. Be really, really careful to get this next thing I'm about to tell you. Really, really like lean forward a little bit. Listen carefully. With the same measure. With the same measure. So just as with the soils, the soil is the heart. We're, responsibility, we're responsible for the condition. Now, God does the heart changing, but are we surrendered to that? Just like with the lamp, have we placed Jesus in a prominent place in our life? Is the lamp of Christ able to shine his light into our hearts and lives to, to cause transformation, or have we placed him under the bed? Just like with the soils and the lamp, there's a direct correlation between the willingness to listen and the blessing that results from listening. He's been saying this all along. The soil, that's good. What does the plant bear? Fruit. 
The person that has the lamp in the right place, what does that light do for them? It lets them understand life. It lets them see what they're doing. It helps them to understand, to have eyes to see. So there's also a direct correlation here, and it's just really a continuing of the same thought. Do you have ears to hear? Are you willing to listen? And I want to tell you the blessing that's going to result from it. So if you're a poor listener, if you have hidden the lamp under the bed, if you have wayside or stony or thorny hearts, you will either get nothing at all or only a small fraction of what I'm trying to give you, what I'm trying to teach to you. In fact, even the things that you think you understand will be taken away from you. The birds of the air will come and swoop and take those seeds away. The thorns will choke it out. The stony soil will prevent the root from going deeper. The basket, if you will, of your spiritual blindness and deafness will smother the light that I'm trying to shed in your lives. However, if you will have ears to hear, you're going to receive the seed and grow fruit. You're going to receive the light and get all the blessing and benefit from that. The truth that Jesus is teaching And then you're going to continue to get more and more truth from God. That's the promise here. This is is an exciting promise that when we listen to whatever measure we listen, okay, to, to whatever percentage, if you will, that we listen, we're going to receive that much more. So if we have gone through life and Jesus has been important but not super important. He's kind of over here beside and he's, you know, he's part of my life but, it, you know, I have other things but, and Jesus is there and I know I'm going to heaven but I haven't, I haven't really felt sold out for him. That's the measure you're using so you're only going to get a small portion of what he has for you. Whereas the person that has Jesus in the center, that Jesus is my Lord, he is my master, I am following him, I am fully obedient to him, that I am 100% in for Jesus, that same measure is going to get put back in your life in the form of the truth, in the form of the wisdom, in the form of his joy, his peace, his blessing. So do we have ears to hear or not? I want to give two examples as we conclude from the book of Acts. Uh, Go with me to Acts chapter 3. Book of Acts, chapter 3. If you've been coming on Wednesday, we studied this some time ago. But in the book of Acts, chapter 3, we're going to see our first example. This is an example. It's a negative example, but it's an example of someone, actually a group of people, that did not have ears to hear. We're going to see the measure that they measured out was given back to them, and the things that they thought they understood were taken away. In Acts 3, and I'll just read portions for time's sake. Look at verse 6. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 6. Here's Peter and John. They're at the temple. Gate beautiful. Here's the lame man asking for alms. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Amazing miracle. Done in the sight of of everyone. Everyone knew this guy that begged by the gate. Everyone understood this is who this was. This was not done in seclusion. This was done out in front of everyone so that all eyes could see. Go down to verse 21. We're going to skip down. 
the lame man's healed. They're preaching there in the temple in Solomon's portico, the portion of the, the temple grounds there. And everyone's amazed by what they're seeing. And so Peter seizes the opportunity and begins to preach to them. He says, whom heaven, he's talking about Jesus Christ, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. That was the prophecy of Moses, of the coming of the Messiah, of Christ. And so he's reminding them, this, this is what you, this is what has been promised to you. This is what has, has been, you've been looking for, you've been waiting for this. And now you see this healing of this man and it was done by the power of him who was promised. He's connecting this very old prophecy that they were waiting for with the healing of this man that they watched right in front of their eyes. He's connecting them together and saying, this validates everything that Christ stood for. He was the one that you were waiting for. But it's rejected. Now, many of the crowd believe, but what did the Jewish council do? We won't read the verses for time. They pull them aside. They give them a command. They say what? Stop teaching in his name. These were the Jewish leaders. These were those that had the, the large portions of the Old Testament memorized. These were the ones that were the rabbis and the teachers, the scribes and the Pharisees. They thought they had the corner on all things Bible, all things Torah. They thought they had, they were the experts in the law. They thought they had God's blessing because of they were sons of Abraham and they had such knowledge of the scriptures. But they didn't believe the things that were happening right in front of them. And so it was taken away from them. The light, the seed, the birds swooped down and took the seed of watching a man who was born lame for 40 years stand up and walk and leap and praise. Full health, full strength like a youth. They watched that happen. The birds were able to swoop down and take the seed of that away from them. They took the light that that was blazing and blinding in their eyes and they took and shoved it under their bed, under a basket of the hardness of their hearts and said, we're not listening to that. Stop preaching in his name. Now, I want to go to one more portion to give a good example, a positive. Go to Acts chapter 10. Just move forward about six chapters, seven chapters. We'll start in verse one. Now we're going to see a man who had ears to hear. We're going to see a man, the, the measure that he was using was measured back to him in an amazing way. So in Acts 10, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Was Cornelius a believer in Christ at this point? No, he was not. He was a Gentile. I heard the word proselyte. Yes. But notice how uh, Luke, the writer of Acts, describes him. Devout, feared God with all his household. So 
He was a spiritual leader of his home. He was generous, gave alms, and he was a man of prayer. That was the measure that Cornelius used when he approached God. And what a measure it was. I'll read verses three and four for context. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision. In a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. The measure that he used was beginning to be measured back to him. God saw the faithfulness, the, the dedication the devoutness, the fear of God in this man's heart. This was a good soil heart. This was a heart that put the lamp stand where it, in its rightful place and let the light shine. Drop down to verse 44. Of course, Peter comes, and that's a whole other story about Peter's vision. But Peter comes to the house by God's decree and preaches the gospel Let's pick it up in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and and encapsulated and heard the word is believed in the word. And we know that because the Holy Spirit came upon them. Verse 45, and those of the circumcision, the Jews who believed, the Christian Jews were astonished. As many as came with Peter, those Jewish Christians that came with Peter, their minds are blown away. They're astonished. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Cornelius was a man who had ears to hear. And he led his household to have ears to hear. Cornelius had taken the lamp of God's word. He didn't know Christ yet, but he knew, he knew Yahweh. He knew God of the Old Testament. He had taken the lamp of that and he had placed it high on the lampstand of his heart. Cornelius had a good soil heart that was ready to receive the seed that Peter came to sow. He received the same measure back to him. He and his household heard the gospel and believed it, and received the Holy Spirit, and were baptized as New Testament believers. And we'll close with this. God holds us responsible for how we respond to his word. He holds each one of us individually responsible for the way that we respond to the word. Do we have ears to hear? Do we have good soil hearts? Have we placed the lampstand where it belongs? Are we listening to the light? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the light. Thank you for the seed. Please, Lord, we we beg of you to give us ears to hear. Lord, please let us truly listen so that with that measure, you will measure back to us even more truth. And as we seek you and seek your face and and read your word and make it a priority, you're going to enlighten us And the more we seek you, the more we'll find. The more we knock, the more doors will be open. The more questions we ask, the more questions will be answered. Please, Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and help us to respond in the right way to your word as we go out this week. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.